Welcome to the Prison Mindfulness Podcast, presented by the Prison Mindfulness Institute. In this podcast, we'll be talking with experts in the fields of prison mindfulness and prison dharma, discussing their transformative work in prisons and jails. Hi, welcome to another session here on the Prison Mindfulness Summit. My name is Fleet Mall, your co-host for this session, and I'm really thrilled to be here today with Gabriella Savelli. How are you, Gabriella? Great. Thank you, Dr. Mall. Well, welcome to our summit. You can just call me Fleet, please. We're excited to have you. Uh, the work that your organization has been doing for so many years, it's, it's a really uh, important part of the prison meditation, prison mindfulness landscape. So I'm going to share your bio with our audience so they're familiar with your background, and then we'll jump right into the conversation, okay? Great. Gabriella Savelli became director of the International Association for Human Values Prison Program, known as Stress Management Rehabilitation Training, in 2009. Uh, for those of you who may be familiar with the art of living, this is also connected to that organization known as that name as well. Uh, Gabriella is uh, a prison silence course pioneer and has taught the IAHV courses to thousands nationwide as well as internationally. In 2016, she won the Washington, D.C. DOC Making a Difference, George Strong Award. And in 2018, Gabriella became the international coordinator. She served on the board of uh, SELA Red Cross and is a graduate of the Office of Victims Assistant Leadership Program. Prior to working with the International Association for Human Values, Gabriella graduated magna cum laude from Edinburgh University and served as public welfare caseworker for 10 years. So are you from Scotland? <laughs> they actually are linked. The Edinburgh University is in Pennsylvania, but they ah. actually are linked to the one in Scotland. Not, oh, not many Americans know that. Thank you. Yeah, Shout out to Edinburgh. Yeah, no, I've been to Edinburgh and I, I, I didn't know that. It didn't sound like you had much of a Scottish accent, but I thought, well, maybe you've been here a long time. <laughs> So, uh, so Gabriella, let's let's start with your background. Um, how did you get involved with the art of living, the International Association for Human Values in general, and then how did you end up getting involved with the prison work? Well, I uh, I was really lucky. I had a brother who was interested in um, all types of spirituality. I'm from a very small town in the United States, so Erie, Pennsylvania, and I spent most of my childhood in Somerset, Pennsylvania, where our address was RD five. So they don't even have house numbers, fleet, because <laughs> they don't need them. There's only like so few houses. Um, and but my brother, he he always was interested, both scientifically about like what's behind things and spiritually, like what is up with this energy? Where does it go? I think he read the Bible three times, uh, read as much of the Quran he could get his hands on the Torah, and um, he had told me. I remember I was a kid probably, I think maybe eating cornflakes in front of like the electric company. And, and he, he'd be like, there's this thing called a Kumba Mela. And I'd be like, Kumba Mela, hmm. mm. you know? <laughs> and uh, so he saw in a magazine, something about an Indian saint. And from uh, where we were raised, like a saint is dead, but apparently a saint could be living also. So he went to see Sri Sri Ravi Shankar um, at that time. His title was His Holiness. And now he goes by Gurudev. So my brother went and he came back and he said to me, you know what? I like this guy. I like everything he says. And he has like a light around him. I'm going to do his program. So he did it and he came back to me and he said, you know, you should do this. This is like putting your like mind in a spin cycle and spinning out negativity and thoughts. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, it's like all these pranayamas and meditation. And I'm like, What? So that, that's how I got to, you know, about it. And then, yeah, just one day, I think it was four years later, I was sitting in my welfare uh, caseworker module and I was just like, just down. Like, I've never, never like a down. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, right? So it was just down. And I was like, oh man, I, what am I going to do? I can't eat one more thing or talk to one more person or exercise one more time. And then something like came to me and said, it's your own thoughts making me miserable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I was like, 
I felt like I had shocked myself, like, what? No, it isn't. It's not my own thoughts. And that's like, it's your own thoughts. And so I just did a little test on myself. So I thought something like, like happy, because I had a lot of stuff happening. Like, well, what if that wasn't happening? I was like, I feel happy. Oh my gosh, what was that thing? My brother talked about spinning out negative thoughts. So I had to drive to the far off town of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and take the program there. And they told me to practice every day. And yeah. And here you are. So, yeah. Yeah. Somehow or other, you know, the path, that's how the path started. And then it seemed to have like its own kind of momentum. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of, I, I don't know for sure, but I know, I, I think a lot of the people in our audience are for this summit uh, are either involved in secular mindfulness or they maybe they have kind of a Buddhist meditation background, many. Uh, and, uh, so I don't know how many people know of Sri Sri Ravi Shankar's work, but he's truly, uh, you know, a living saint and a global figure, a global peacemaker. I mean, his work is so extensive. He's been lauded, won awards all around the world for the peacemaking work and the humanitarian work. I mean, he really is a global humanitarian and peacemaker and does amazing work. And I just wanted to, uh, I mean, the scale is phenomenal. If people want to kind of look into his organization, The Art of Living, it's really at a phenomenal scale, the amount of good work that he does around the world, as well as being a, you know, a spiritual teacher, a yogi, a meditation teacher. Uh, so this is a quote that's on your website. Expand your vision and see that inside every culprit, there is a victim crying for help. That person is also a victim of ignorance, small mindedness and lack of awareness. It's the stress, the lack of broad vision about life, lack of understanding and bad communication that leads to violence in society. So, you know, having that interview that, you know, when people get in trouble, it, it's really it, they've been set up, you know, by the conditions of their life, the, the trauma in their life. And and they just haven't been introduced to that idea like you you stumbled into that. Wow, it's my thoughts that are making me angry. It's, and it's not to say there aren't causes and conditions, but we can start to take control about how we think about those causes and conditions. Right. And that can change everything for us. And of course, that's a long path and often not an easy path, sometimes easy in a moment of flashes of insight. But, you know, it's 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 really um wonderful that people who might not otherwise see those possibilities are able to see those possibilities because of the work you and so many others bring into our criminal justice system, where people have almost been programmed by the conditions of their lives to end up there. Um, but they can turn it around if they get the right information and some simple tools and practices. Uh, anyone can begin to turn their lives around. And uh, that's a tremendous message of hope. So your program, uh, I knew it way back when, uh, as I shared, we were talking a little bit before and and uh, our work with Prison Army Network, we were connected with Tom Duffy of the Prison Smart Program probably 20 years ago. And uh, so I, I think your program now is called Stress Management Rehabilitation Training. Is that the official name? And then also uh, read in your bio that you lead uh, uh, a silence uh, program. So tell, tell us a bit about your programs maybe a little bit of how they evolved and what, where they are, what's going on. Tell, tell us a little bit about, so people can be familiar about the prison work done through the International Association for Human Values. Sounds good. You're exactly right. You're on point. I think I'm so glad you read that quote. I think that was something that really hit me because I, I, as a welfare caseworker, people would come right to my desk out of prison and jail because they had nothing. Like they literally had nothing. So they would come to my desk and say, oh, we need something. And uh, I, that really hit me when I read that quote. I said, huh, even if we give people things, it's only from the outside. You and I were talking about that. Mm -hmm. And what is it? I would see these same people who really wanted change. Like they had this window of change. I'd see them again six months later at my desk. And it's like that window, I'd shut. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a practical person. I'm like, how can we capitalize this? How can we open this window? So the program uh, was actually Prison Smart in 1992. And you're correct. Tom Duffy was the first teacher that Gurdav sent into Massachusetts, Barnstable, Massachusetts jail. And it was a struggle. As we talked about, things have changed a bit. And it was, you know, a bigger struggle back in the day there 30 years ago to get people to cognize, hey, uh, meditation and holistic things can help people calm themselves. They're like, what? So um, 
Tom Duffy led it up until 95 and 2005, 92 to 2005. And then um, it had a bit of a hiatus. So from Barnstable, it started to spread across the world. And I got involved after Hurricane Katrina. I had gone down there for stress and trauma relief to help people. And the jails were all in tents. So I had easy access to go in. And I said, okay, these breathing techniques have changed my life. They're changing the lives of the people I'm teaching out here. Um, I mean, you know, see, I've heard about Prison Smart when it was more active. I went in and, wow, it's like the difference between doing it in the community and doing it in corrections was, uh, how can I explain it? It was, it was palatable, but in it, like, okay, like this fleet. In the room you're in, let's suppose there's a, you light a candle. That'd be so cool, right? Now, let's suppose that room you're in is pitch black and you light that same candle. How dramatic that would be, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was seeing when we were doing uh, the Kriya, Sudarshan Kriya, which is the main technique for um, the prison program. So I just started to do it, you know, every, every waking minute when I wasn't doing my welfare casework. And so within a year, I was told, well, do you want to lead this program? Said, well, yeah, okay, sure. I'm, sure. Because I know I've got the commitment, but also I get to work with the stellar team of volunteer teachers all across the nation and the world. So from there, it had grown to this point here now, 30 years later, we're, we've been at 60 countries, six zero countries. And the impact is almost 800,000 individuals. And as you were saying, all strata. So obviously anybody who is serving some time in a jail or a prison, but also juvenile detention centers, halfway houses, also staff at all levels from correctional officers up through wardens and superintendents. And then the um, legal staff that's involved, because as we were saying uh, together, just before we turned this Zoom on, that um, first of all, it's just a humane thing to do. Everybody's so overly impacted by stress in that system, right? But also, if you want to have a cultural shift. We have to have all the touch points of people feeling um, an ability to be calm, to be centered, to see other points of view, to not be aggressive and frustrated and tired all the time. So this is the challenge for all of us. So that basically is it. And then, uh, did you want me? You wanted me to tell about the program. Is that what? Yeah, you said? yeah, yeah. You mentioned that the main practice you offer is the Sarshan Kriya. So if yeah. you could tell us a little about that, I don't know if that's a pranayama practice or a meditation practice, but tell us about the program, what the program actually is that you bring in. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, so we have uh, cognitive behavioral aspects of it. We have movement and yoga, but the, the crown jewel of our program really uh, would be Sudarshan Kriya and the whole practice of pranayamas leading up to it. So pranayamas, as you know, is uh, warehousing air within your system in a particular way, using the breath. And then Kriya means purifying action. That's what a Kriya is. So Sudarshan Kriya is a particular kind of Kriya. And so why the emphasis on this? So first of all, um, we just think about what do all people in a body have in common in the grossest form? Everybody, everywhere, at all times, everybody has this, this. This is one of the things they have in common. And you know what it is? Everybody uh, breathes. <laughs> You're so good. Yes. Everybody breathes. And as we know from science, the breath is linked to your mind and your emotion. So there's a particular rhythm of breath for every emotion, right? So just thinking about how you breathe when you're angry, right? I, not just that's I say, I don't know if you've been the last time you were angry, Fleet, but like, right? In general, you could see someone being angry. Not that long ago. In this day and age, I think we all, right, exactly. Even Buddha would be like, come on. At any rate. So um, this link and between the rhythm of breath and emotions, it's uh, obvious. What isn't obvious is how you can shift it. And this is part of where this is the starting point. Just realizing your breath is going all the time, but you can also change your breath, right? Change your rhythm. 
just even right now, just simply taking a deep breath in and out, you already would feel a shift, right? So exactly. This is the basis of the program. And I really appreciated something about you, Fleet, when I, uh, anybody who Googles you, for some reason, at least on when I Google you, the first thing that comes up, it says you were a student and then names your teacher. Such a beautiful thing. Um, and for me, that's very important. I'm glad that comes up rather than the wanted poster. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wanted poster now is, is a different kind of a wanted poster for sure. You are wanted, but in a definite big this way. So, um, Gurudev, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, I'm a pretty critical person. I'm not, I'm just being honest. And uh, I've studied him now for a couple decades. <laughs> and I could say that, uh, like you said, the reach of his programs and his techniques and his message is far and um, all-inclusive. It turns out everybody has the ability to feel that connection to the source that you know, electricity in your room isn't separate from the electricity in my room. It's not a far reach to realize this. And um, so learning from Viridev and then uh, know, seeing that those techniques really are effective in a very unique way um, is what I've seen firsthand and what I've been able to help all of our teachers keep fidelity to. And um, the pranayamas and plus the Kriya, that pro that program, it really honestly is something I've seen help anybody blossom. I know a lot of times things get associated with religion or spirituality, but literally, as you know, because you've seen in prisons and jails, it is a wide range of religious practices. Some I've never even heard of. And also people are just atheists. But as long as they're breathing, it, the, the, the techniques and the program does work to have them be able to release trauma, release stress, and have an experience of calm-centeredness. And um, you know, if people do have a religion or spiritual path, it, it does it seem to enhance it very much. Um, and we do have teachers that are Buddhists. And I know you name Buddhists, but you know, name, every, name another religion. And I'm sure we'll have, we have a nun a rabbi, uh, Iman, um, and my, my friend who was an atheist started and he was heading the prison program, uh, in India after a while. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. It was certainly my experience when I was doing my time that, uh, our meditation group in the chapel, which was ostensibly a Buddhist meditation group, but it was completely open. And, and most of the, we, I, over the many years I was there, we probably only had a couple of people who actually considered themselves Buddhist. But there were uh, Christians and Jews and there were uh, Muslims and the Rastafarians and all kinds of folks that came just because they liked the the quiet and the settled nature of the practice. And they liked, you know, it really they found it really helped them to begin to work with their mind and work with their breath and so forth. So, you know, a lot of, um, uh, you know, kind of secular mindfulness practice is uh, basic mindfulness, body mindfulness of breath. And in those practices, the breath is an anchor for awareness, but we don't manipulate the breath. You just let the breath be. Now, in our programs with that we do with correctional officers, we teach breath regulation techniques, simple things like straw breathing, box breathing, four, seven, eight breathing, which comes from pranayama. Uh, and we also introduce those in some of our, our prison programs. This is simple self-regulation techniques. So with the Siddharthan Kriya, uh, it's more than just breath awareness, right? It involves specific pranayama exercises. It doesn't involve breath retention. And then do you also teach with that? Uh, does that combine with any meditation where you're just kind of being with, developing breath awareness, being with the breath, but just letting the breath be as it is? So I'm just curious about how you blend meditation and, and specific pranayama techniques and so forth. Really intelligent question. Um, and I'm not just saying that, that, that really uh, shows your depth of knowledge. So um, there's a saying, you can't learn archery in the battlefield, right? So on the one hand, it's brilliant to teach uh, and learn and practice techniques when things are happening. Okay. Mm -hmm. But there is a value to 
doing, having a practice that you do before you enter the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And, and believe me, wait, I, before I started along this path and, and just said, okay, I'll do this every day. The only thing I did every day was basically brush my teeth mm-hmm. and that's it. And I like that. If, I don't know about most Americans, but for me, it wasn't like a thing. It was like Sunday was a day where you would like go to a place and do some prayer and stuff. But like a daily practice wasn't part of my repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, to go from zero to learning something and then saying, okay, I'm going to practice this daily and see the, um, you can see the effects are cumulative. So with the, the Kriya, the Sudarshan Kriya and the whole practice that you learn. And in our case, uh, I think I forgot to tell you. So Prison Smart, it was an acronym for Stress Management and Rehabilitation Training. It seemed brilliant name. But once we started to get worldwide, certain countries thought we were trying to make like smarter criminals or something. And they would actually say that, oh, so you want to make some. So <laughs> for us, we said, okay, we'll just call it the prison program. And that's why we branded away. Um, it, in the United States, it's under IAHV, International Association for Human Values, in partnership with Art of Living. And in other countries, it's on, it's more one or the other. And for here, I mean, usually, yeah, I mean, worldwide, we're leaning more towards, it's just called the Art of Living, to be honest. And I think that's actually fairly accurate because the idea that that's it's just a like name. a system. It, exactly. Because as someone who lives life as an art, you immediately recognize, yeah, that's, that's not the hokey pokey that it's all about. That's what it's all about. To really see that existence, everyone exists, but to actually live is an, is an art. And it does take some practice and it takes good guidance, guidance under a good teacher, you know, so, yeah, so to your answer, the Kriya is a practice that you do minimum one time, do pranayamas and the Kriya one time a day. And it's really recommended uh, to sit for meditation afterwards. So, as you know, meditation is, is the um, door to, uh, you know, once you open that door and go through that door, it's to wonder to, um, Another dimension of living that's not available if you're, you know, all your senses are going outwards all the time. You have five senses going outward all the time, right? And never going inward peacefully, then you never get to experience an aspect that's available to you as your birthright, right? Of uh, connection and deep peace. Um, and some would even say blissful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um... So when you bring uh, your prison program uh, in the various uh, jails and prisons uh, in the U.S. and around the world, uh, do you present it uh, pretty much as kind of a secular program? Um, or, um, and do you use language like pranayama and, and uh, kriyas uh, in the program? Or I'm, I'm just curious about that because we all, you know, in the prison work, um, you know, I think the faith-based work is really important, and we still promote all the Dharma-based work, not just Buddhist, but any kind of contemplative tradition that's bringing Christian contemplative prayer, whatever it is. And there are a certain number of prisons that will access that. But then we also have really focused as well on secular programming, because if you want to mainstream it or get it into a drug and alcohol treatment program or have it become part of general rehabilitation program or have it offered in places and prisons and jails that, you know, a lot of prisoners and big prisons, they just won't go to the chapel. Right. But they might go to a program in the education department. Right. And so, yeah, I'm just so that whole issue of how we present things, the core practices are the core practices, but how we present things can make a difference. So I'm just curious about what your experience has been with your programs and how you do it. Yeah, that's an important question to all of us who are working within corrections, because there is such a wide range of beliefs and attitudes. And um, you know, we want everyone to be able to uh, experience self-soothing and that feeling of peace and calmness that is only available in yourself. Mm -hmm. And so for us, definitely, anyways, we are secular. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and during the course itself, we go in usually as stress management. I mean, we have, I literally reams and reams of uh, scientific evidence showing how 
the practices do lower stress, like the cortisol levels, the lactate mm-hmm. levels are getting normalized. Um, sleep, sleep is a, is improved like from day one when people do our program, which is a big deal. If you've ever, you know, missed sleep for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't even want to be around that person very much. They can't see clearly. They can't think clearly. They're just reactive if they can react at all. So, um, these, this is universal. In fact, we, I would just ask people, I have done this. I've asked people when we go into corrections, I, I've talked, presented at the American Correctional Association, American Jail Association, uh, uh, National Health Correctional, National Correctional Health, okay, NCCH, okay. Na- National Commission on Healthcare and Corrections. Exactly. And uh, just to check in, I just will ask, um, who do you know in corrections who's stressed? Is it the judges? Is it the wardens? Is it the COs? Is it, would it be, and you know the answer to that, right? Everybody. Everybody. So then the question becomes, do you want to look into something to do with your stress management that requires some self-discipline? You know, and that's the bottom line. You know, there's discipline that comes from the outside and then there's discipline that you put on yourself. And that's what we're talking about here. And um, that's definitely secular. It, and now, as far as the verbiage, I, I do have in, in places of the world where they don't use the Sanskrit term terminology, uh, pranayamas and kriya. Um, me, me personally, Fleet, and I personally have taught face-to-face, I don't know, over 5,000 people from minimum security that are literally like there's no fences and people just wander off and they have to go drive them back like that type of a camp kind of an atmosphere to ad seg, you know, administrative segregation. Right. I don't even know if that's, I think, I don't know if they call that supermax or if it's above supermax, but people coming to me in chains, like their, leg, their feet right. chained together, yeah. their arms, and then they're chained to a chair and there's a glass wall with a shotgun on the other side. And um, it, from, all of those levels of people coming to me, it's, it's, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just say to them, look, people don't want you to learn the Sanskrit term, but I'm going to tell it to you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people, mm-hmm. but all, yeah. all religions just, you know what I mean? They just like, mm-hmm. yeah, don't, I don't think it's crap. so much an issue with incarcerated with, uh, with the incarcerated. Um, um, I think when we're offering programs for staff, uh, we have to a little be a little more careful there. They're like, Korea? So, you know, <laughs> you know but, uh, uh, you know, once you get the buy-in, you know, they learn more about who you are and you can, you know, you can be a little looser with that kind of stuff. But but I think in general, my experience of uh, our fellow human beings who find themselves incarcerated are generally very curious and tend to be very eclectic. You know, I've even had many situations where I've known, like, there's been a number of different groups offering meditation programs in a given prison, right? Uh, from different Buddhist traditions and maybe a yoga tradition and this tradition. And, um, you know, they're all kind of like being careful about presenting their thing the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, this bounty, you know, this is not that, this is this, this is different, you know, but the prisoners are like, we don't care. We're just exploring it all. Right. They, they're much less into that kind of, uh, you know, making those distinctions. They just, they just want to come and do a good program. Right. So I think in general, people who are incarcerated, maybe it's because you're, you're so limited what you have access to. You're just kind of hungry and you tend to be eclectic and open and curious. Right. So, yeah, I I don't imagine for the most part, it would be a problem uh, with the incarcerated, but I think sometimes with staff, I might not lead with a word like Korea. (laughs) I agree. I think not, I think I've seen it. Like we, we did a program at a prison that had a riot and the staff were extremely stressed and um, yeah, they were tougher than anybody who was in there serving a term, a hundred percent tougher, mm-hmm. like really, really tough to deal with. And I remember sitting in my car in between sessions because I was doing back-to-back sessions and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is just like, are we getting through to these people or what? And I saw this guy walking past. It was a in an officer uniform, and I just like wait. He's like, I'm like, and he comes over. Hi, and I'm like, you know, friendly. How are you? He's like, great. I lost 36 pounds, and I'm doing so great. I'm like, oh wow, how'd you do that? He's like, from your program. <laughs> That's great. Please, I didn't recognize him. He said yeah, when he was wow. doing the program, he was working 16 hours a day, 
and he was so stressed. He had no idea how stressed he was. So he felt that relief, you know, after we do the whole breathing routine, then you rest. Right. And then you, he's like, I've done it on my own every day since. He's like, I just took a test to be corporal. And I not only aced it, I was like almost a minute under time. He's like, and I'm 56 years old. He's like, you need to tell everybody about this program. But for me, what I learned is exactly what you're saying. With the staff, you know, walk into it with a, a, a kind of a like, let's make this as familiar possible and walk you through it. And don't take, and I know you didn't say this, but what you're suggesting is don't take anything that they're outwardly showing as to be the case of what's actually uh, an indication of what they're actually going through inside. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, once the door opens, once you start to get, I find our experiences, the, the corrections professionals, other public safety providers are just soaking it up like a sponge because you know, and it's so great. You know, I've taught in many places around the world, more on the outside, uh, where people have kind of been there, done that. What do you got? You know, I mean, because they've, they've seen a million programs. and like, But, you know, I, I love teaching in corrections with public safety professionals because they're just soaking it up. They're not jaded about it. They just, oh, my goodness, I'm sleeping for the first time in my career. Oh, my goodness, my relationship is changing with my kids. Oh, my goodness. They're just like, you know, they really they really soak it up and you're just giving them simple tools. And, you know, that's what I'm, I'm really happy to hear that your your program really leads with the breath work, because um, although, you know, uh, I'm a firm believer in the long term benefits of basic mindfulness and awareness meditation and the time spent on the cushion and, you know, in that really deep contemplative experience. But and, and at the same time, you know, there are simple breath regulation techniques that just work instantly. Like you can give somebody an experience and in five minutes they go, oh, my goodness. You know, they had an experience of actually regulating their own nervous system instead of it being regulated by everybody but them. Right. That's life changing in a minute. Right. So there, there's some of these simple breath regulation tools that can really be transformative people and put them more in a leadership position uh, with their own life. I mean, they're you know, that really what it comes down to in life is, you know, we all have our childhood conditioning for better or worse, you know, and we all got some mixed bag what we got. And then you have the world around you and we're kind of living in that interface, you know, and if we don't take ownership to become conscious and regulate our own nervous system, then we're just in there getting bounced around. And sometimes that's not the best ride. Right. So it really comes down to are we willing to start regulating our own autonomic nervous system so if we're getting too upregulated, we can back, bring it back down. If we're too downregulated, we know how to bring it up. And we start to manage our physiology. And if you can manage your physiology, you can manage your emotions. And if you can manage your emotions, you can manage your behaviors. And if you can manage your behaviors, you can manage your life. And, and, and it can go in the direction you'd like it to go instead of the direction, you know, it may be taking you, right? Especially into a correctional facility. So I, I just a big believer in giving people simple tools that immediately work. And I'm sure that's the case with your with your pranayama uh, practices. You know, I mean, the thing about this particular interview that we're doing, I really, really hope a lot, a lot of people watch it. Because um, one thing in COVID has really shown me and our team is that teamwork makes the dream work. And the more uh, touch points, people get the message for something new, then the faster they can accept moving in another direction. And um, what you said is really important for everyone to understand. And for us, it's not that, I mean, our program, uh, there's nothing like it, for sure. I mean, this is an ad to every program. But to work with pe your program, people like you and your program, which is you know, very, very high quality program um, for all of us to move together in corrections. It's not a matter of uh, like this or that or that. For us, it's a matter of um, as a unified front saying uh, this, these, these things will work for sure. And you're not meant to be miserable. You're not meant to be angry. You're not meant to repeat over and over again anything, <laughs> you know, however you label that thing. And in order for all of us to move forward, you know, and here particularly we're talking about people that have had uh, a lot of negativity in their past to be able to feel that openness to different choices 
to be able to drop obstacles and stress as they inevitably will come is something for us to say as a team, these are uh, tried and true. These will work. They do take some effort on your part. It's not like taking a pill. But the side effects are much far reaching. The potentialities are much broader. And um, the, the cost is much lower. Absolutely. That's really the vision and purpose of this summit is, is really to actualize this network of people doing this kind of work. You know, Prison Dharma Network, we have like 185, 190 organizations in a network. But we haven't really figured out how to really actualize that as a network. And it's not saying we should all merge, but find ways to collaborate, learn from each other and become more known, more visible in a world of criminal justice, corrections, public safety. So they realize there's this network out there of all these organizations that bring in a set of tools that is grounded in mindfulness. It's grounded in meditation. It involves things like breath work. Uh, it involves basic emotional intelligence training, cognitive behavioral training. I mean, most of these curriculums and programs have elements of these things, so yoga and movement, some kind of dialogue, some social emotional learning, some cognitive behavioral work, breath work, meditation. And we know what works. We know how to help people turn their lives around. It, there's absolutely no, there's no big miss. And there's science behind it. We have the science that says all of this works, right? And, and yet we're, as a society, we're still like, well, we got all these trouble. We don't know what to do with them. Like nothing changes. That's, no, that, that's like the dark ages. We know what works. And it, it's just a matter of making it more visible and coming together uh, to do so. So I'm curious about what happened for your program during the pandemic. Another reason we're doing this summit is to try to kind of reinvigorate the whole movement coming out of the pandemic, because most of the facilities shut their doors to outside volunteers and contract contractors. We were we had one facility in Rhode Island where we had one volunteer because she was so well respected there. They kept letting her go in, but she had to test every day. Every day she had to test for COVID to go in. But most of the prisons and jails been shut down and they're just starting to open up again. I don't know what your experience has been. But so could you talk about what your organization went to during the pandemic, how you maybe adjusted to that and then kind of what's going on now? Yeah, I remember Fleet in March of 2020 mm -hmm. when I saw, I think on Twitter, that the World Health Organization had declared COVID-19 a uh, pandemic, a worldwide mm -hmm. pandemic. And we were scheduling to go into facilities the very next week. And I called my team. I said, we can't go in. And they're like, what do you mean? They haven't. I was like, no, I'm telling you, this is a risk for the people inside. We can't do it. And so we kind of contacted them. And within two days, everybody was contacting us. We're shut down. We're shut down. We're shut down. But yeah, that, that immediate shock was like, okay, I could see what's going to happen here. We have to deal with it. And um, if you'd ask me before COVID, if we could do our program online, I'm telling you, I would have said no. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I did send a message to Gurudev and call and ask. Um, everything is locked down, not just the United States. I mean, every facility in the United States. And we have all types of facilities we're dealing with. Like I told you, uh, all security levels, jails and prisons, juvenile detention centers. It, it was across the board. And, but worldwide, worldwide, everybody was locked down. And he said, yeah, you can port it online and said how to do it. And I thought, oh, my Lord, how is this going to work? And um, yeah, it's a wonder. It's a wonder. Uh, it, there was a few facilities. Uh, one, I have a little video from the, the one. Uh, one in particular was very ambitious. We've been trying for eight years to get that program started. It wasn't until COVID hit and their staff did it online with us that mm. they then started to roll out. They had enough. Um, they had a programming that they could do uh, three courses every two hours. So we did in one week, 139 uh, offenders, which would normally take us over a year because we can only do batches of 20, right? Mm -hmm. 15 to 20 when you take people in a room. Um, so that was massive. But then again, we had other uh, prisons, a whole prison system. I would meet with everybody in every prison and they're like, no, we can't, we can't do it. We don't have the technology that takes internet. Like we're right now, you have internet. I have internet. We're live together to get in a, in a, especially as the higher security levels go up, they don't have internet available to people. And this is something that it's like, how would we do that? Would it be hardwire? Um, I think Brazil did it before we did. I, I can, I, 
give you some links to some programs that were done in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And they had a judge do our program and he said, we've got to get this in, in online. And so they were doing programs online every week. They were seeing uh, the offenders every morning and doing the program for two hours every morning. They would do like a whole session of uh, yoga, then our uh, pranayamas and kriya, then meditation. And what they found was that they had them separated because of gangs. They had to, the people who wanted to do it were from different gangs. And they'd say, can you transfer me in the pod with them? Because I, I want to do this every day. And there's only one monitor. And if I'm not over there, I can't do it. So they were just shocked that people were automatically like themselves, like mixing and doing fine. So for us during COVID, it was, that was much of my energy was to contact people saying, how do we help report online? I understand we can't come in. I understand that's a risk for everybody, but how do we get some sort of online? So what we did for staff was offer for them to do it during work or after work, any way they can. We would schedule programs anytime because, um, you know, I'm in Washington, D.C. I mean, we're, you know, you're, people would be all across the country. We could still come together at the same time in real time as long as they had a device that could see and hear. So we were uh, doing programs with staff as much as we could and cultivating uh, prisons and jails to do it. So that was the, the biggest efforts during COVID. And I had to say, Fleet, I, I'm not sure about you, but it just has been surprising to me to see that um, what I thought initially was just not a very good idea turned out to be, and of course, it was also with Gurudev's guidance. So it's not like I made it up and I made the decision. So it's not, it's not that I didn't trust him, but it was just a surprise to me. Like I'd never seen yeah. this type of a switch. Now though, we can reach facilities that are remote. Mm -hmm. They get that uh, online system up. It's yeah. Okay. In person, I would say it's preferred, but if it takes our staff two hours to drive there and two hours to drive out, our staff have jobs and things. It's, it's uh, for, six hours out of one day for a program when here, you know, what, what happened? We did our meeting. We just turned it on. Click. There's yeah. Dr. Fleet yeah. mall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so this is, it's an incredible thing that has been, um, developed out of COVID press. What was your experience? Well, similarly, uh, we were trying to get send in CDs that they could put on in-house systems. And then we did start getting invited into going over zoom and, we still have a class running at a maximum security uh, mail facility in South Carolina, and we're offering uh, programs in New York and other places over Zoom. And, you know, I think we've had this experience not just with our prison programs, with our mindfulness teacher trainings, retreats we lead, and all kinds of people in lots of different domains of my life. We thought the things that we thought you could never do well over oh, online or Zoom. Well, you had to do them, so you did it, and you find out, whoa, this works, right? And yeah, the, you know, we're going back to hybrid models and because in-person work is really wonderful and beautiful. But, you're, you know, there's so many very remote facilities. They build so many of them out in very rural areas. You know, and I hope it doesn't mean we won't ever get people out there. But you're right. I mean, prison volunteers for many years, they drive six hours to get to a place. And then they say, well, your paperwork's not right. You know, and I mean, prison volunteers are so that it's such dedicated people. Uh, but it has opened things up. And there's also a lot of programming going in now through uh, secure tablets, which is beginning up becoming a big educational vehicle that prisons like because it's secure and there's big companies doing it and so forth. So, you know, that whole landscape is changing, but but we are able to reach it. We found out that uh, 36,000 prisoners had accessed our Path to Freedom program through a secure tablet uh, uh, program that we had been contacted by. We got our curriculum together to be on there and we didn't hear much about it. And then suddenly we got back in touch with them and 36,000 prisoners have signed up for it. It's one of the most popular programs. And that, and that kind of work is really growing. And, and we'll have the potential of meeting, you know, uh, reaching millions, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, because there's so many people incarcerated. But, but um, you know, with where in-person programming, and I again, it's I think it's irreplaceable. And I really want, we're really dedicated to it. But, you know, how many volunteers can you have? And how many people can get, you know, so... I think the combination, in some ways, maybe the pandemic has been a blessing. It's opened things up again. So hopefully we'll have a combination of in-person programming, online Zoom programming, uh, apps, stuff that's on secure tablets. And, you know, in the ideal facility, maybe they have some of all of it. Right. Uh, but, yeah, things things have really opened up and it's created a lot of new possibilities. 
Uh, agreed. I, I uh, this is again. I'm glad to hear that. That that's something that you're all working towards a hybrid model. Um, yeah, and the main thing is what does that facility? What what will work for that facility? Because all these people need reach, um, and it's it, a lot of it. There's so much low staffing, as you know. I was just here at the Washington D.C. jail, and I was walking out with an, a CO. And uh, I said, oh, you're leaving. She's like, yeah, I just worked 16 hours and I'll sleep for six and then I'll go back and I might be drafted again. And this is not just there because we have yeah. contact with this is everywhere, all over everywhere, place, yeah. all over the place. But and for us, it's like, OK, can we get it so that this it's less work for staff to instead of escorting to the room? Can they get a, a video somehow in the day room or something? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like. Last week we had people, grown men online doing the Kriya at the end. They were like had tears and they're like, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I just feel this is a relief. Like something got released. And this is um, from, from my side, I'll say it's a pinch that we're not getting this to more people from, yeah. from my side. Like how we can work together is important. And um, you know what I've seen is that people doing the um, art of living program, then being able to participate, the fact that your program is uh, available on the tablets, they just are able to really get it. I mean, and not to be mean, but anybody can talk. Yeah. But having an experience and explaining from experience is um, what we've seen when people move into other programs. Uh, along with doing uh, something that's basically, you know, concentrated on, but not our, with, with our program, which is concentrated on our specialty. We don't try to do everything. What we do, we try to do very well. And then yeah, we will do, uh, you know, um, meditation retreats that are silent. And then I thought that was a nice that you put that in the bio. And that was, we did one online uh, just in January. It was our first one in a jail. And that was quite, uh, an experience is they don't talk. That's the whole point. They do the program and the program is the same program Gurudev does in the community. And we do it with veterans and we do it with top officials and we do it. I did it with my brother. And at the end, they said, you know, um, this was just life changing. You say, okay, so this is, these are, these are the things we should be doing together. It's, you organizing this is incredible because these are the things that our organization would love to do with organizations. Well, your organization, but organizations that, you know, you recommend. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're just about the end of our time, um, Gabriella, Um, but I have two more questions. Uh, um, One is, um, is your work, is it mostly volunteers? And if so, uh, do you have a training program for volunteers? And how can people find out about that if they were interested in, in working with your organization? And um, well, that's the first question. Why don't we answer that one? Yes, we are 97, maybe 98, maybe 99% run by volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the first requisite, prerequisite to volunteering is you practice mm-hmm. right you have to walk it like you talk mm-hmm. it so the first step is um take the breathing program and see if it resonates with you mm-hmm. and then continue to practice it if you're doing other practices that's i mean you know, that's usually the sign of someone who's very dedicated to self-study and so it's a very good thing so um take the program then um take advanced programming and then by then you can assist and um, we're very, what is the word Sangha oriented means staying together as a team because yeah, I mean, freedom, you want freedom, right? Like freedom uh, from concepts and judgments and negativity. Yeah. Same with me as a team. That's the thing that we keep in our um, like modus operandum. And so that we're not leading people. You don't know when you go into somebody how their path is, what their what their personal way of expression is. But you know that these things will work, just like when you go to a gym, you know to work. So 
that would, I'd say to start that, uh, best thing, probably you could call or you could email. Well, we can, we can put it in, in, in with your bio underneath the video where, where people are watching this. So that information will be there. Um, but so the uh, uh, there are art of living centers around the country. So if somebody lives in their city, they can look for an art of living center. That might be the place to go try the breath pro breath work program. And if they like that, then maybe and they're interested in prison work, and they then that they might want to contact you or contact your organization, right? And uh, yeah, we're all linked. That's exactly right. I mean, I think what you had said, like you were talking about working with the, any staff or anybody, are are anybody that I'm working with. My main concern is you. I'm not trying to use you for anything. I do recommend this program it, it, for every single person that I know, the numerous health benefits and um, deepening of meditation practices and things have been uh, very real and immediate. Uh, but it, it, having an interest in the prison program, of course, I'm going to say it's an incredible program. We, I want you to come to one of our courses. I mean, that would be an honor. And uh, just uh, to be in tune with something that has no other agenda except for each person being able to drop their trauma, dropping those stresses and um, move forward in a positive, expansive way with their life is good for them and good for the community, right? (laughs) So uh, what's the website for Art of Living? It is just artofliving.org. Artofliving.org. So that's a good place for people to start. And ours is, by the way, prisonprogram.org. And I, and I oh, think all prison, of our... Prisonprogram.org. Okay. That's yeah, you can put www. But um, yeah, yeah, it's... I don't know if you put prison smart, if it'll uh, go to it. But if you put art of living prison program, yeah. You're so smart, please. Exactly. That'll just get you there. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm so easy to find. Uh, like literally anybody could probably find my uh, name and number just like that. And I'd be happy to get anybody on the path. I'd be happy to partner with anybody because um, we have the same goals. To improve this, yeah, to bring dark, like, light into these darkest places, right? Well, let's keep looking for ways to work together. Thank you. Well, thank you so That's much true. for being part of the summit, Gabriella. And, and thank you so much for the work that you're doing uh, in the U.S. and all around the world and the work of the Art of Living and your prison program. It's just so valuable and so necessary and uh, just really great to connect with you. And just thank you for being part of the summit. Uh, you know what? Thank you so much, Fleet. You have, it's been a huge pleasure and honor to be able to meet you and be able to look at, uh, listen to you, interact with you. And I look forward to doing it more, hopefully and uh, finding ways together that we can, you know, deepen our impact. Great. Thank you so much. You be well. Thank you for listening. To learn more about PMI and our programs, please visit prisonmindfulness.org. You can also keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.